Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,272. A lot of times people are afraid to do things and so they just don't do them at all. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Mitch Bishop. Hey, Mitch, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right. Mitch Bishop is the son of IMSA founder John Bishop. He grew up at racetracks all over the country and early on became part of the IMSA family business. IMSA's Cannell GT Series was the world's most popular professional sports car racing circuit in the 1970s and 1980s. I attended a bunch of those races as well and had a great time. Over the last 40 plus years, Mitch has built a successful career as a marketing, sales, and software engineering leader in Silicon Valley. More recently, Mitch co-authored an impressive 372-page coffee table book, which is now released, called IMSA 1969-1989 that gives readers a fascinating inside look at his father's life and the first 20 years of IMSA's history. I've got a copy sitting here right next to me. It is absolutely spectacular. He's an active racer and sits on the board of directors of the International Motor Racing Research Center in Watkins Glen, New York. So Mitch, I've told our listeners just a little tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your career and your life and and a very obvious passion for automobiles and racing? Well, yeah, thanks, Mark. Um, you know, I grew up around car racing. I mean, that's uh, my brothers and I, we didn't go to baseball games or anything. We grew up at the track and yep. uh, we grew up in Connecticut. So we went to Thompson and Bridgehampton and uh, Watkins Glen and Lime Rock and Mid-Ohio. And pretty much every weekend was spent at the track. And I grew up around sports car racing, mostly, of course. My dad was the executive director of the SCCA. When IMSA started, it was really a family business. So we all worked at IMSA after school and on school breaks. I went on to college at University of Connecticut and got a degree in computer science and got recruited to the Bay Area where I've been for the last 40 plus years, doing everything from software programming to marketing and sales. Very cool. Well, mainly today, we're going to be talking about this incredible book. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to first ask my guests, for a success quote or a mantra. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tire smoking since we're talking about racing today here on Cars Yeah. So Mitch, take the wheel. Well, you know, as I became a, a leader of marketing and sales teams, <laughs> one thing I always told them is like, look, showing up is 80% of success. And I'm sure I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm botching that quote somehow, but it, you get the idea. I mean, a yeah. lot of times people are afraid to do things and so they just don't do them at all. You know, you miss... 100% of the putts you don't take. So anyway, I've learned to, through, through leadership of uh, large marketing teams, to get people to, you know, just show up and uh, work hard. And a lot of that, a lot of the rest, that takes care of the rest of it. You know, a lot of this has a great correlation to racing because many guests of mine have had hundreds of racers on this show. Talk about many races are won before you even get to the track and that's in preparation. But of course, you got to show up you got to be there. And that preparation is so, so important. So I, I think that's a fantastic saying. I, I used to run a company and had a lot of employees. And every once in a while, you have one that has a hard time getting to work on time. And I know that I'm, I'm 
dulling this down a little bit to the basics, but yeah, just just show up. Just get to work on time. I mean, that's that's a great start. It's kind of like getting up in the morning and making your bed. If you just do that, you've accomplished one thing and then you can carry on and feel like, okay, I've been successful in some way. But I love that whole concept, the whole saying behind it. And of course, it relates to what you and your family did with IMSA. I mean, what a childhood you had. Absolutely spectacular. Now, you kind of gave away the next question here, but it has to do with sharing a story that instigated that passion you have for cars. Now, you went on and became a computer specialist and you work in Silicon Valley and marketing and, and all of that. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew that, you know what, cars are going to be a big part of my life too? Well, that was early on, for sure, just because of what my father did. And, you know, I was there to witness the beginnings of the USRRC, the Can-Am, the Trans-Am series. And spending the the weekends at the track, I mean, that was the inspiration for me. I always remember my one of my first memories was being at Watkins Glen watching Bob Johnson and Ken Miles drive their Cobras. You know, I knew right then that that's kind of what I wanted to do. Ironically, my parents never raced. They organized the races, but I knew that I wanted to race eventually. And so finally in 1982, I got my competition license and went racing for a while in the 80s. And then I rekindled that more recently. But uh, I think a lot of times people have a a fear. That fear prevents them from doing things in life. And you just got to overcome that fear and just make it happen. And it's part of that showing up as 80% rule. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. goes back to that. Well, this book that you put together is a monster. It's a beast. It's giant. It's it's like the whole IMSA series. I mean, just a spectacular time in racing. I remember back in the, the 80s and, and even the 70s, my dad taking me to races and just being stupefied by the cars and the people and the smells. I can't imagine being a kid like you were growing up that close to it. But I'd love for you to talk about a, a great challenge or, or maybe a failure. Now, you could tie this into how you put this book together because this is no small undertaking. As I was thumbing through this, I went, oh my gosh. I mean, this had to be a huge challenge to compile all this and put it together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, well, first of all, I'm not an author. I've never done a book before. And, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> you took on a big challenge. <laughs> three years ago, I quit my job as the, as the CMO of a software company to, to do this book with my co-author, Mark Graffoff. And I would say, you know, that's probably one of the biggest challenges I've ever faced in my life. And it's a good thing I, I was ignorant about the whole thing because I might not have done it. I had known ahead of time. But like many things in life, you know, you take on a challenge and you just put one foot in front of the other and you figure things out. But uh, we had to do a lot of research. We interviewed a lot of drivers and other folks from the IMSA series from back in the 70s and 80s. And most of all, what we wanted to do was tell the inside story, the story that's never been told before about how it all happened. The first part of my father's life, the SCCA years were foundational. But how did IMSA come about and how did we make some of the decisions we made? around the rules, you know, around uh, the All-American GT Series, letting turbos in, the 962 versus the 956, some of the more interesting stories that happened. And uh, we also wanted to publish photographs that we found that had never been published before. So I think a good 80% of the photos in the book have never been seen before. Is there a one biggest challenge you faced? I'm sure you faced a bunch of them. When you undertake something this size, and I didn't realize this was the first book you've ever done. Oh my gosh. Was there one thing that kind of just kept pushing and pushing you back, I should say, uh, that you found difficult or challenging? Well, you know, the biggest challenge, what didn't turn out to be the writing, it was the photographs. 
Mm. We knew what stories we wanted to tell, and the, the primary goal of finding photos was in support of those stories. And uh, particularly from the 1970s, there isn't a lot of stuff around. And so um, the biggest challenge was reaching out to the community and, and getting in, in touch with the photographers who were all probably now in their 70s. And we ended up doing that, but it was a challenge. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I, I can't even imagine. Well, I wanted to do a shout out to our good friends at Octane Press, who are the publishers of this book that helped put it all together. They're the ones that reached out to me and said, hey, you've got to have Mitch and Mark on the show. And I will have your uh, your co-author here, Mark, on the show in a week or so. But you beat him to the uh, to the finish line here as far as the first one on cars. Yeah. So kudos to you for that. But maybe the racer knew. Now, you mentioned racing. What What kind of racing did you do? And what are you doing now? Are you into vintage racing? No. So in 82, I went to Jim Russell's racing school at Laguna Seca. They're not there mm-hmm. anymore, but, um, yep. and did some Formula Ford racing with them. And, um, I ended up winning a prize, which was half a season of, uh, pro Mazda racing in 85. So I did a little of that and then did some IMSA RS racing in, in 83 and, um, the pro Mazda racing in 85. And then I did a couple of Firestone Firehawk races back in the eighties, but more recently, I have been racing a Radical SR3 at Spring Mountain. Ooh, Spring, Mount- nice. Spring Mountain. Spring Mountain is a uh, motorsports club down near Vegas. And uh, about yeah. once a month, we go down there and beat up on each other. And uh, then we have drinks afterwards, and then we're the best of friends. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, do you know a guy named Jeff Skeen who races there? I do not. Come to mind? No? Okay. I'll- I think he was doing that. Unless I talked to him, he's a guy I went to high school with. and. Um, I'll have to call him up and see if he's still doing that. But he mentioned that's something he wanted to do and he'd bought a car, but I'm very familiar with that operation. And that is a lot of fun. And of course, that great school, Laguna Seca, that's where I got my racing license when I went vintage racing. They had a great program there and that was a fun place to learn how to drive fast in their cars. Uh, great operation. Well, let's talk about your past and talk about your first really special vehicle, that first car that had or brings back some good memories for you. Well, I mean, the, the one that brings back the, the best memories was the, was my first professional race I was in. Um, I was racing a Mazda RX-2 at Road Atlanta in 1983, in April of 1983. And uh, it turned out, I didn't know it at the time, but it was the famous Pat Bedard car and driver Mazda RX-2. Oh, wow. and, and it had changed hands by then. But my uh, tow driver, whose name is escaping me at the moment, I, oh, Paul Romano. Mm-hmm. owned a car at the time and uh Paul and I co-drove in the three hour race and uh we had trouble in qualifying. We we didn't qualify very well. We were forty ninth, but we ended up finishing thirteenth in the race. But that was my first real special experience with a with a car, with a race car in particular. How fun. Is there a seller's remorse story in your life? Yeah, you know, I had a uh, second generation Mazda RX seven as a street car and I loved that car. Had a lot of fun with it, ended up selling it you know, when I had children, <laughs> as, you, as yeah, you can imagine, two seaters don't fit very well in when you've got a family. But uh, yeah, what a great car. Little tail happy, but just ran like a top. And I love the rotary engine. You know, those are really cool cars. My mom surprised me it was years ago when they came out and she bought one of those. I had no idea she wanted to have a sports car. I was like, Mom, what are you doing? Let me drive that thing. That's so cool. And unfortunately, a friend of hers, uh, she tossed him the keys and he crashed the darn thing. But uh, at any rate, it was a great little car. I think they've uh, produced some wonderful cars over the years in sports cars. Well, I want to have you talk a little bit more about this book because that's why you're here today. 
I mean, it just blew me away. And I've not had a chance, of course, to read the whole thing because it is just, it's so massive and full of so many cool things. But I, I keep pulling it out since they sent it to me last week and just going through and it, it helps me relive some great memories I have watching that racing back in the day. But talk a little bit more about what this book means to you and, and why you undertook such a massive project. I mean, you actually left your career to do it, which is incredible. Well, much of my career is in the rearview mirror anyway. So <laughs> there you uh, go. <laughs> well, look, you know, uh, this year is the 50th anniversary of the founding of IMSA. And that was really the impetus for getting this project done when we did. And uh, I know IMSA, which is now owned by NASCAR, they're doing a lot of marketing around the 50th. But from a personal point of view, I wanted to set the record straight in some cases. There have been books about IMSA or articles about IMSA. Unfortunately, many of them have are factual errors or or are incomplete or, frankly, just not very much fun to read. And what we said about doing was um, telling the inside story. What I wanted to do was tell the foundational pieces of it, too, the early part of my dad's life and the SCCA years, which are key to understanding how he arrived at a lot of the decisions that he made later on with IMSA. Well, one of the fun things was interviewing all the drivers, you know, Hurley Haywood and uh, Derek Bell, and Bobby Rahal, and the list goes on and on. And almost to a, a person, they said that they all talked about how IMSA felt like a family, that because it was a family business, that translated, I think, well to the actual product we put on the track, but also how the drivers and the crews corner workers were all treated. And I felt like that was an important story to tell as well. And so we said, look, we can't tackle the 50 years. Let's do the first 20 years. And a lot of your listeners may not know this, but uh, my parents sold the business in 1989. And that's why the book is bookmarked, bookended by 1969 to 1989. In 1969, my father founded the company and I'll just tell one little story. I mean, a lot of people think that it was his idea to start IMSA, and it wasn't. It was Bill France Sr.'s idea. And Bill France Sr. got the idea. He was traveling back to Daytona through the Atlanta airport, and he picked up a copy of the New York Times. And uh, in the New York Times, was were, there were two articles, one about how my dad was forced out of the SECA at the annual meeting in February of 69, but a second article announced that the SCCA was moving their national runoffs to Road Atlanta, which had just been built. And up until that time, they had been shared between Riverside and Daytona. Nobody had bothered to tell Bill France Sr. about this. He might have been a little bit perturbed. And so he, uh, when he got home, he called my dad and invited him down to talk racing. And, you know, with uh, the products that had been put on the on the track by the SCCA, my father, the SCCA's uh, Trans Am and Can Am series and the Formula 5000 series, there there wasn't there weren't enough tracks to go around, and tracks were being built at a huge rate, including Road Atlanta. There just wasn't enough product to go around. So he said, "Hey, why don't you start your own organization and structure it more like NASCAR, meaning that you would be in charge and not reporting to a board of governors and not worried about." pro racing versus amateur racing and, and all the rest. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it all got started in, in 69. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, it, that, those are the fascinating stories that make a book like this so intriguing. And having an insider like you there who was a big part of it is absolutely 
fantastic. And it must have been fun talking to those drivers. The three you mentioned have all been guests here on Cars. Yeah, Hurley Haywood, Derek Bell, Bobby Unser. But it's it's a fascinating story. It's a it's a book that every automotive enthusiast and especially racing enthusiast needs to have in their library. So I'll make sure I put links to where you can get hands on one of these. Very cool. And I love that story. That is absolutely brilliant. Well, Mitch, up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal. Let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Covercraft. I've protected my vehicles with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft seat covers. They'll protect your seats from the daily abuse of pets, children, weekend adventures, and even those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. All Covercraft seat covers are easy-on, easy-off design that are machine washable. You can choose from many fabric options, colors, and accessories, all designed and carefully sewn for your special vehicles. Their seat gloves are semi-custom fit for cars and trucks, and their seat savers, a favorite of mine, are custom-tailored to fit your seats like a glove. Work truck seat covers are tough, durable, denim-weight fabric. It's like putting a pair of rugged jeans on your truck's seats. Want to stay warm? Covercraft also offers seat heaters. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Hey, Mark Green here from the Cars Yeah podcast. Did you know you can now see me on the Cars Yeah TV show? That's right. Cars Yeah is now on MAV TV. I visit some of the past Cars Yeah guests and take you along for the ride. Go to MavTV.com to learn more where you can enjoy Cars Yeah TV. MavTV is also available on DirecTV, FuboTV, Fios by Verizon, or you can stream it through MavTV.com online. And they said I only had a face for podcasting. All right, Mitch, we're back. And this is a very introspective question for you. We're kind of delve into your mind a little bit here. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car, you'd actually been manifested into a vehicle parked in the garage. What would Mitch be and why? <laughs> I'd have to be a Porsche 962. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Wow. Now, why a 962? You're talking about a very special car here. Why a 962? It's one of my favorite cars ever. And, you know, I just got back from Amelia Island and Bill Warner had a special Porsche 962 tribute this year. There were 11 of them down there, and I don't think there's been that many together since the, one of the last IMSA races in, in the 80s. But no, the uh, Porsche 962 sounded great, super fast, very balanced, relatively easy to drive, stick shift, no paddles, <laughs> no, no fancy steering wheels. Yeah. Yeah, it's an amazing car. When you look at the car from the outside, even today, it looks almost modern, but when you get inside, it's so basic and so bare. I, I lost a good friend of mine last year who raced those cars, Bruce Levin. You sure. may have known Bruce, yeah. And he had a couple of those cars. I remember going over his house and sitting in those things and just looking around and thinking to myself, okay, this is pretty basic. 
uh, pretty simple, but then the speeds and the time and distance that those guys drove those things, lap after lap after lap, just incredible. So, uh, ah, brilliant. I love it. I think you might be the first 962 here on Cars as well, Mitch. So Bruce bought the very first customer Porsche 962 there ever was, chassis yeah. number 101. And one of the other interesting stories in the book is that he was in front of guys like Al Holbert and Bob Aiken. And Al was one of a big deal with Porsche in North America at the time, as, as you know. So Bruce graciously loaned that car for the first two races in 1984 at Riverside and Laguna Seca to Al. But the requirement was that they had dual livery. So it had Bayside disposal and Lowenbrow on the car for just those two races, the very rare livery. And uh, finally, uh, Al got his, and Bob Aiken got his cars 102 and 103 in time for the Charlotte race in 84. But the photographs that you have from the 84 Riverside race are of that car quite rare because uh, that livery didn't show up ever again after, after that. Yeah, I remember Bruce telling me about that. And of course, Bayside, his business, uh, the business that he uh, then sold that funded his venture into racing and all the things that he did. But yeah, another fascinating story. And I think he, he had a second one that I think was one of the last ones. Yeah, he subsequently upgraded and he sold the 101 car to, to Rob Dyson. And that car was down at Amelia Island this weekend and won uh, nice. the most historic 962 at yeah, that 101 car is still around and making the, the circuit. Yeah, very cool. I was just shooting an episode of my Cars Yacht TV show at Bruce Canopus Shop a couple of weeks ago, and he's got a fantastic 962 there as well. So, ah, man, memories, memories. Well, Mitch, we are entering the last lap, a place you've been many times. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive or racing advice you've ever received? Uh, best racing advice I ever received is break earlier and get back to full throttle sooner. You'll end up being faster. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes over the years? Yeah. You know, I'm one of those guys that gets up early and goes to the gym and works out early. You try and keep a schedule like that. I think it works out pretty well. For you. Yes. I need to follow that lead. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, you know, I love the work that Paul Fanner does both online and with the magazine, but uh, that's that's my go-to resource for racing news. Yes, absolutely. Now, if I could wave my magic wand and arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, or the racing industry, who would that be? Without a doubt, it would be Bill France Sr. I would love to, mm. now that I know what I know, I'd love to sit down with him and chat with him and ask him questions. Yeah. Did I get this right? Yeah. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. How about a book? Other than your book, of course, and I'll remind our listeners, IMSA, 1969 to 1989, the inside story of how John Bishop built the world's greatest sports car racing series. Is there another book you'd like to share with us? Yeah. There's a book called uh, Go Like Hell, which is the story of Ford versus Ferrari in the mid-60s and how all that happened. And it's a fascinating book. Yeah, it really is. In fact, I had the author of that book on this show, Cars Yeah, A.J. Bame. Yeah, he's built, or he's built, he's written some very, very cool books. That's one of my favorite. That's the second most referred to book here on Cars Yeah. The first one is Garstein's The Art of Racing in the Rain, of which we're going to get to enjoy a movie here real soon uh, about that book. All right, we are up to the checkered flag, another place you've been many times, Mitch. 
This last question, though, can be a bit of a doozy. Today, I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car or vintage race car, whatever you'd like to have to park in your garage. But there's a couple rules to this game. It's the only one you can have. You have to drive it. No dust collectors here. No garage queens here on cars. Yeah. And you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other race cars and toys and things with. So what can I buy you today? Without any question, a Porsche 917. A 917K, the the, uh, Le Mans car. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. The the simple reason is start it up. (laughs) There's nothing, there's no sound quite like that. And it's, of course, an iconic car. And one of the early movies that got me super juiced about auto racing was uh, Le Mans, of course, with Steve McQueen. Absolutely. I was lucky enough to be at Rensport. Last year, the Rinspart reunion, they had a couple of those out there on the track, and it was just like, oh, my gosh, these things are so, so cool. Another car that's uh, one of them is parked there at Bruce Canapa Shop, but uh, you can go to vintage races and see these cars still being championed and run today. It's, uh, yeah, that would be pretty darn nice. I'll get to work on that. Yeah, might Don't hold your breath. It may take me a little while to put my shackles <laughs> together and, uh, and to make that happen for you, but uh, I think that put a big smile on both of our faces. Mitch, you've taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. I want to remind the Cars Yeah listeners, listen in about a week or so. And uh, Mark Raffoff, is that how you say his last name? Yeah, absolutely. Mark Raffoff. Mark and I are brothers from another mother. So there you go. He started working for IMSA when he was 16, and I was a teenager too. And we kind of grew up through the whole deal and he still works at IMSA today. So Wow, very cool. Well, he's going to be a guest on the show too, so you can listen to another perspective about this fantastic book that these guys have put together. This is a must-have for your shelf. Is there a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance you might offer us before you rip off down the racetrack in your very own Porsche 917K? <laughs> uh, don't be afraid to tackle big challenges. I'm really, really happy that we we decided to do this book and and I'm really proud of how it turned out. As you should be. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and or get their hands on a copy of this book? You can either go to Amazon, like most people, or you can go direct to Octane Press's website. Currently, it's actually cheaper to buy it direct from Octane Press. Uh, But octanepress.com slash IMSA will take you right to the page. And as far as getting getting in touch with me, I'm pretty active on Facebook and in all the IMSA Facebook groups. There you go. Awesome. I'll make sure I put links to those on Mitch's show notes page and the Cars Yeah website. I encourage you to follow along and get your hands on a copy of this book. If you love racing, you love history and the real story of IMSA, the inside story, this is the book to have. I'll put links to every one of these things that Mitch has shared today on his show notes page. Hey, Mitch, thanks for calling in today. Thanks for being so generous with your time and expertise and for sharing your incredible life and experiences with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks for having me, Mark. Thank you. You take care of your cars, but who takes care of your investments? Tune-ups aren't just for engines. Updating your financial plan is important, too. Your GPS may take you from A to B, but it won't help you on the road to financial freedom. For that, you need a good co-pilot and a very trusted advisor. Chris Kimball, CFP, is just the man for the job. He'll guide you down that road without driving you crazy. 
For over 25 years, Chris has helped people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. With a master's degree in financial services, he is eminently qualified, and he's a car guy too. Learn more at chrisvkimble.com or call 866-ON-A-PLAN. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member FINRA SIPC. CK Financial Services is not affiliated with Money Concepts Capital Corp. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.